0: This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Dave and I don't always hook large trout. But when we do, our heart rate increases, and we try to avoid the mistakes that are easy to make, mistakes that lead to lost fish. So today, we're going to identify some of these mistakes. We might have made one or two of them. At least Dave has, right? Maybe we have. Maybe we (laughs) haven't. Maybe we haven't. Well, I have to ask this, Dave. Do you remember a particular trout that got away? I mean, I'm I'm haunted by one memory in particular, and I I wonder if you are, too. Is it?
1: the girl that got away or the big (laughs) trout that got away
0: (laughs) let's let's stick with the big Trout that got away. Hey, both of us married up. Yeah, so we did. We, we have no complaints. I did at not all. lose.
1: I did not lose in that category. No, so no. The... the
0: ones that we lost were that was best. It's uh, what's the old rascal flat song? God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. There you so, go. That's a nice little modeling way to begin this. It is. This... But we're talking about trout, so I, I can see Dave. You're trying to change the subject because you must have a very painful memory <laughs> when it do. comes to losing a large trout. I
1: do. I do. I don't even remember what year it was probably 2005 2006 you and i were fishing together in the yellowstone we had gone up again in tower fall and we had gone around a bend in fact today we would never walk in the river like <laughs> that's we that's right before, we
0: did we were like waist deep and trying wet. to get around this yeah. bend so we didn't have to climb this cliff right and man that but the was river
1: was me. lower then but yeah. it was still
0: way too well, swift it was but anyway yeah. we got
1: around the bend you were up ahead of me and I hooked into this. It Obviously, it was a cutthroat, or I think it was mm, a cutthroat, because yeah. I think up that far, they're all cutthroat yeah. for the most part. And it was huge. And in my anxiety, I slipped and fell. Uh. And I was carried down probably 20 or 25 yards down the Yellowstone. Of course, all I could think about were two things, my fly rod and... I can't lose this fish. <laughs> but very quickly, you know, I I, I gained my uh, footing pretty quickly, and by the time I did that, the thing was gone. But oh, just wow. in those first few moments, I probably did everything wrong when I hooked that large fish. Oh, oh man. But that cut had to be, uh, who knows, it, it, it had to be 23, 24 inches. Oh, wow. That's but painful. Oh, I was just heartbroken, and yeah. I was shocked because of the water. It was so cold, mm-hmm. and I was scrambling to find my rod, but the only thing I could think about <laughs> huh? was that I had lost that big
0: fish. Oh, How about man. you? Oh Well, I remember right after I had purchased, really the first decent fly rod that I owned was an Orvis, and uh, one of the first rods that Toby sold in at Fins and Feathers. I was out on the... Madison and the bear trap and this is before we discovered what we affectionately call rainbow run, where, you know, Dave, we've caught several twenty yeah. inches out of that. And I was just below that and and I tied into a fish that I mean it was like I say, we've hooked a lot of twenty inches in there and and it was bigger than that, huh? I don't know if it was, but I tell you what, I've never had a, a fish run like that. Well, I was kind of uh, in shock and maybe mesmerized by that mechanical shriek of the reel, and and I just I just remember watching my reel spin and like wow it's going down to the backing and then finally okay I gotta try to do something well I had so much line out and, and I'm I'm trying to run down the river and this thing took me down to that big rock you oh, know what yeah, I'm talking yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. that huge rock and it wrapped around something either a rock or a branch and it was gone and it was gone i was almost into my backing and and i know too that i made a, at least a couple mistakes on that so hey out of those painful memories we've uh, we've learned some things and uh, here are some mistakes to avoid so what would you say first dave
1: the f- very first is probably you're not getting rid of the slack line quick enough and part of the challenge is that
0: and you mean what right after you hook the right fish after you hook right that you hook fish okay, right yeah. is to
1: make sure there is absolutely <clears throat> no slack in that line yeah the challenge is most of us catch volumes of smaller fish those mm-hmm. of you who've been fishing for a long time yeah catching all those smaller fish doesn't teach you much uh about catching larger fish yeah. if you if mm-hmm. you're not using kind of quote unquote best practices yeah and so the first thing when you catch something big and it's heavy is to make sure you're doing two things. You got to get the slack out, and you have to be working your left hand to make sure you're reeling that line up in your uh, with your reel because yeah. you don't want to be fighting that fish without the without having without fighting it with the reel.
0: Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So you've
1: got your left hand, let's say if you're right-handed, you and you're, 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 let's say there's no slack, but with your left hand, you're moving that reel as fast as you can to catch up that slack Right, all line. that line that's down at your and feet. And right there, yeah. I think you, at least for me, I've lost a ton of fish. I remember losing yeah. one on the Madison. We were fishing for those Hebgen Lake Rainbows with oh, Curtis yeah. several years mm-hmm. ago. I had, a, I had at least one or two other mm-hmm. big ones on, and it was in that interregnum, yeah. in between... I had a line tight, but I was yeah. busy trying to to get the re- get all that loose yeah. line into the
0: reel. And that that's a vulnerable moment. You're it's right, a very vulnerable. Because moment. if you're not careful you're you're concentrating on getting in that slack line with your left hand but you could be clamped down so tight that if that trout makes a run for it snap that's exactly yeah. right
1: that is exact in fact that is yeah. actually the big challenge yeah and
0: and yet if it's not tight enough you know that that fish can be running well and then you can have slack line and the, the problem is i think that the larger fish can throw that hook more easily so that's why it has to be tight, but not too tight. And that's that's tricky when you're doing both things at once.
1: And also, in that moment, your drag may not be set correctly. So sometimes yeah, that's right. I'm fumbling for my drag as well. I mean, mm-hmm. there's like two or three things I'm trying yeah. to do at once. I'm thinking there's this noise in my head like, oh, my goodness. I can't lose this fish. So I'm trying to make sure I, there's no slack. Yeah. I'm reeling in the extra line. And right. I realize, okay, as soon as I have that fish and it's connected to my reel, right? Not my finger.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Meaning you know, the the tension is on the reel now. Yeah. Then if you're if your reel if your drag is not set correctly, in fact if it's too tight,
0: you're gonna yeah. lose it immediately. Right. Now if you're a new fly fisher, it's true that you could theoretically and well not theoretically, we've done it. You could land a fish without it fighting against your reel, but what you're doing is you're having to uh, adjust the tension on your own but when it's fighting against the reel and you've set the drag properly and that the drag is there's there's a little knob that you can turn so that it's the, it requires more tension to pull out line or less tension and ideally you set that so you know that the trout has to fight against it it's tight but also if that trout makes a quick lunge uh, instead of snapping off, but before it, it reaches that point where, yeah, that it would just snap your line off, no, the, the line's going to be pulled out. So, yeah, that's a great point, Dave, that, you know, adjusting the drag is important as well. And, yeah, I, I think you're right. That's why that initial that initial moment, until you get the line reeled in and you're, you're fighting that fish against your reel, boy, that's a, that's a time when you can lose a lot.
1: I can pretty much say that on the big fish, both those I've lost and those I have netted, I'm always making adjustments to the drag. It's never set yeah. correctly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it varies from fish to fish. It just does. Yeah. So, oh, that's that, That's a great point, and man.
1: You, and you get no experience adjusting that drag on smaller fish right yeah you're supposed to reel it's... them in quickly net them release them quickly so you're just moving you know you've got that cons- conservation mindset right and you're just kind of ripping them out of the water yeah you're not trying to play them long you're trying to get them in release right. them
0: if they're small enough sometimes right. i don't even bother uh, pulling in that slack line if, if they're close and if it's a small enough fish it's like i i can do this but Yeah, that's that's such an important uh, first uh, mistake to avoid—not getting rid of the slack quickly enough. So here's a here's a second one. Another common mistake is that your tippet is too light. Uh, Go up a size if you think you've got a chance at a large trout. And everybody worries about this. Oh, you got to have these. You know, you got to have a small enough tippet that the trout can't see it. It's not visible. And, and I get that. We know that. But, you know, sometimes you can go crazy with that. I mean, just think about it. A 5X tippet is only 4.75 pound test. You say, well, no problem. I'm, I'm catching a fish that's a pound or less. Well, yeah, but when that fish makes a run for it and a sudden move, uh, well, that one pound fish could be exerting... Five, six pounds of, of pressure yeah. so that, yep. that's the issue so 5x tippet 4.7 pound test a 4x tippet is uh, which is bigger the, the smaller your number the, the bigger it becomes 4x tippet is six pounds and a 3x tippet is 8.5 pounds and those are industry standards so whatever whatever tippet whatever liter whatever tippet material you use it, it's all about the same now again a bigger stronger tippet usually won't spook fish now it's helpful if there's a little bit of color to the water Uh, the more color the bigger stronger the tippet you can use and also the larger the fly the heavier the tippet you can use and i sometimes i'll forget that i'll i'll pull off a I'm nymphing and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to a streamer and I forget I'm on a I'm on a five x tippet. You don't need that with a bigger streamer. Uh, and
1: it's, it's really hard to sling that. You have to oh, wait it for is, that to yeah. unfurl. As yeah. you it's just more difficult with a smaller yeah. tippet size with a bigger fly. Yep.
0: So think about that too. If you know, I mean, sometimes you're fishing, you don't know when you're gonna tie into a large trout. But hey, if we're out on the Madison in Montana or. Or, you know certain other uh, rivers good night you're on the Missouri you know you got a chance to tie into a large trout uh, for goodness sake you know go with a little bit heavier tippet. Uh,
1: we've always said that fishing the spring creeks is is difficult and more technical and so obviously you need lighter tackle and if you're fishing right. the freestone rivers in the West, I think you can use heavier mm-hmm. tippet. And I remember there was a post mm-hmm. by a guide who talked about just the miss of too small of tippet. Now, mm-hmm. he's is fishing the big freestone rivers in the west. But I just think you just really, if you're going to catch that larger fish and you have a 5X or 6X tippet, you're going to struggle to get that thing every time.
0: Yeah, you really are. So what else, Dave? We, we've talked about uh, that crucial moment when you first hook into a fish and One of the mistakes is not retrieving your slack line too quickly. Uh, Another is using uh, too small a tippet. What's what's another common mistake? Another is you're giving the trout too much opportunity
1: to run. Oh, I did that a lot. I I I think it was either Toby or Curtis or one of the great guides through the years watched me walk a, a, a trout that was running, a big fish that was running downstream, which I eventually lost he said hey dave um you know if you have a chance just walk <laughs> over to the shallows and get it out as quickly as you can yeah. and i was you know i played the you know brad pitt character and, yeah and, that's right you know, river runs through it and walking mm-hmm. downstream and fighting yeah the fish. that's it he yep. said, no 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 it, go to the shallows get it over and get it mm-hmm. in as quickly as you can now as quickly as you can doesn't mean you rip it in right because right. you'll lose it mm-hmm. that goes yeah. Just uh, some of our earlier points, but uh, bring the thing in, bring yep. the fish mm-hmm. in. And that's the point of using a heavier tippet. You can be a little more aggressive. Yeah. You can lean into it uh, a little bit more. So the point is, just because it's a big fish doesn't mean you have to walk down 100 yards.
0: No, no, that's for sure. And you will learn to feel this. <sighs> you know That may be kind of frustrating because we all want you know, we want life to work in every area by a flow chart, and, you know, we, A happens, then you do B, and it doesn't work that way. Well. You have to learn, you have to get a feel, but I think the more you fly fish, the more large trout you hook into, you'll you'll kind of figure out, okay, this is a time where I need to let them run a little bit, not too much, but, uh, but then, boy, you you, know, you you crank it back in I mean when a trout's fighting it's not just perpetual motion it may seem like that and it does seem like that with little fish but you get a big fish they, they make a run and then then things stop for just a moment boy that's when you you haul that thing back in let it run a little bit haul it back in some more and yeah I've I've made I used to make that mistake a lot I would uh, I was kind of afraid to uh, land the, the the trout you know i for for fear that i was going to snap it off well if you got a strong enough tippet you know be more aggressive i yeah if you find that you're snapping them off well okay then you gotta have any number of problems there you're not you're not tying your knots correctly your your tippet's too light but but if those are not the issues then uh yeah okay maybe back off a little bit but but for the most part I, I think for most new fly fishers landing large trout, it's probably extremes. Yeah, I've I've seen some people that just try to haul it in too quick, but a lot of times it seems like yeah, you're just not being aggressive enough.
1: There are those who fish, you know, for steelhead, and obviously their their tackle's a lot heavier, <laughs> right? Than fishing spring creeks, <clears throat> and yeah. you might have mm-hmm. more experience, obviously, yeah. with those big uh, big big fish that yeah. chrome that you're fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have more experience in doing right. that, and your tackle just is naturally heavier. That's
0: a great point. You know, if you're a spin fisher, no matter what you're fishing for, your tackle's probably heavy enough that yes. you're, you're just trying to reef those fish in. Yeah, th- those are the people who have difficulties. And I think that probably happened to me once or twice, so then I overreacted, and I was, I was being way too dainty with these, these big 18, 19, 20-inch football size fish. Uh, you can't do that yeah. with the you heavy fish. That. You want to
1: again bring them in as quickly as possible, so mm-hmm. you can release them so they're yeah. healthy and and will survive. But at the same time, it's not like ripping out mm-hmm. an eight you know eight inch
0: brookie. Yeah. it just isn't. Yep, absolutely. Well, we have a couple more, and while we're getting ready to uh, cue these up, hey, let me just remind you to. Uh, keep listening at the end of these we have a couple of other great features uh, great stuff from our listeners and also a hook set where we take a quote and uh, uh, just riff on it a little bit and so we'll, we'll be doing that but uh, here's a fourth uh, mistake that people make when landing large trout and I, I realized this when I was uh, kind of learning from Gary Borger a few years ago uh, one of the mistakes we make is to pull up on the fish when we're fighting the fish rather than to pull the fish from side to side uh, Borger says that if you pull a fish from side to side it tires it out a lot more quickly than if you pull it in straight so uh, point your uh, rod your fly rod to the side I mean instead of having it straight up uh, you know, put it to the side you know so it's at a 45 degree angle and then pull that way and then change sides and Borger says what that does is it works the fish's muscles uh, in a way that that pulling it straight up doesn't do it so that's well that's been something I've really worked on recently and I noticed that you can land fish a lot more quickly so not only does it help you land them more quickly but you also uh Put less stress on the fish uh, because the longer they're out there struggling and fighting, uh, the more they're going to wear themselves down. So that's kind of a win-win, I guess.
1: Do you find that it's natural for you to pull from side to side? For me, it's not because I'm so used to having. Like if I'm high sticking, right, and I've lifting. actually caught the fish, I'm you know I'm <clears throat> depending right. on if I'm dry flying or I've got my my fly right <laughs> up. I tend to I tend to keep it vertically. And yeah, and in one plane mm-hmm. maybe up and down. yep. Uh. And
0: that's what you see in all the photos and I used to do that. I thought that it looks so cool. But so no, it wasn't it wasn't uh, a natural thing. but the more I've done it, I think it's a, it's kind of become an instinct. I, I naturally now pull to the side with, with a larger fish. and so you, it just takes some practice. you learn to do it. And I know you've learned to do it as well. But that's, that's a good point. It may seem odd or feel odd at first. And it may not make for as good a photo op. Right, you know? exactly. It doesn't uh, look as great no, on Instagram that, or... No, that's that's right. Or Facebook. Yep. Well, hey, one more final uh, mistake to avoid, Dave. Another is... Actually, there's two more, I guess. I,
1: I think another is that your net is probably too small and the handle may be too short. So if you're fishing... For smaller fish, 8- to 10-inch brookies, and you end up, say, taking a trip to the west or maybe the northeast where they have larger either steelhead or trout or bigger browns, you'll find that uh, that a smaller net works against you on a couple different levels. And one is, is that it, it forces you to lean over. And so with a shorter-handled net, you just can't reach down as easily. And sometimes that little... Just that little action can lose the fish, right? Oh, no kidding. You miss it the first time yep. and then it's gone. Another has to do with the the length uh excuse me, the the uh yes, the length extends your reach, but yep. also the baskets are sometimes bigger. Well they are bigger yeah. mm-hmm. and that enables that's also a positive for for making sure you're able to get that whole thing into the net.
0: Yeah. So uh... I, you know, with the composite materials now and, and the rubber netting, these nets are lighter than they used to be. So, so uh, you know, we we both have. Uh, uh Purchased what fish pond nomads in the yeah. last couple years? Actually, I got mine as a gift. Somebody wanted to give me a gift, and thankfully they reached out to you, Dave, <laughs> and you you suggested that. So uh, even though you bought your net later, I can't say that you copied me on that. You <laughs> you, you copied your suggestion. But anyway, when I first looked at that net, I thought, <clears throat> "What in the world? This thing looks giant." You know, it's going to be like a forty pound weight in my back, and And you hardly notice it's there because it's so light, and uh, the size of it, it's not bulky. So, yeah, there's really no excuse not to carry a a larger net. If you're thinking it's just going to add too much weight, well, uh, just look at some of these newer nets and the composite materials they're made of, and you'll you'll love them. You won't even notice them.
1: Well, I noticed that all the guides, when we go on a guided trip, they have these longer-handled nets, and these are like really long handle Mm -hmm. nets yeah you don't need that long of a handle but i've watched dave cumling who's a friend of ours out in montana uh who's a guide and used to own a fly shop and works for tu and ah man when i see him he still he carries a net that's the handle is longer than the nomads that we have
0: yeah that's right
1: and somehow he's able to Mm -hmm. manage that and walk three or four miles with us or five miles with us it just You're right. Again, the composite material today enables you to to have longer and bigger nets without without the
0: weight. Yep, absolutely. Well, here's a final mistake to avoid, and it's another net mistake, and that is you're stabbing at the trout with your net, and and I've done that. It's tempting because you're anxious to get it in. You're trying to be too quick, but what you want to do is to keep your net underneath the water, underneath the trout, and then when it comes in, you lift it. I mean, it doesn't mean you stand there for two minutes while you're fighting the fish with your net under the water. You can't do that. But once you get it in, you, you say, okay, I'm, I'm getting close. You get that net down in position. Uh, you, you make that final pull to get the fish in. And then you, you lift that net, trying to do that in one motion. And that really uh, makes a difference.
1: Can I just add one more? And every so often you'll see a picture, at least where we fish in the driftless, of someone who caught a monster brown. And you look at that fish, and you look at the stream in which that fish was caught, and you think, how does that fish even live in that little tiny run? So Mm -hmm. there's always the chance when you're out, even in these smaller spring creeks, that we fish a good bulk of the year. We're not fishing either in Colorado or Montana. And the one thing that I always have to remind myself that when i'm tying a knot and i'm feeling anxious to make sure that i slow down to tie a good knot. boy that's a great because after all this stuff if that knot between your leader and your tippet or between your tippet and the fly itself if that is weak you don't have a chance no
0: you don't You really don't. So
1: maybe the big thing in all this Mm -hmm. is slow down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Take the time to tie good knots. Tie a good knot. And absolutely, you might be. It might be an extra five minutes if you feel like the knot you just tied uh, isn't good or isn't strong. But take that time because I think long term, if you catch that, if you end up catching a big fish, you Mm -hmm. end up uh, you end up being able to net it.
0: Absolutely. You know, you're always going to lose some trout, large or small, but if you concentrate on eliminating these mistakes that we've talked about today, you will definitely land a higher percentage of those monsters. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a comment from our guide friend, Glenn, from the Adirondack region of New York State. It's on our piece on best fly fishing developments in the past decade. And speaking of nets, Glenn writes, The rubber bag nets with the carbon fiber handles are really light. They might cost a little more, but when you're on the water 8 to 10 hours a day, you don't even know that they're there. Some of the other great new products are the 100% waterproof slings, backpacks, or hip packs. If you get caught in a downpour or take a plunge in the river, these bags keep all your gear dry. They can even save your life as they will float.
1: Huh, I didn't know that.
0: I had never thought about that. <clears throat> that makes perfect sense though. You're uh, man, anytime you can get something to do double duty and you got these waterproof slings, backpacks, hip packs, man, that's that's good to know, isn't it?
1: I have a fish pond sling, you know that one that's over yeah, my shoulder mm-hmm, that I take yeah. if we're hiking. Right. I if that thing floats.
0: Huh. Yeah, I know it. Wonder if it would hold two of us, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Oh, man. Bye, Steve. Yeah, that's 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 right. Really enjoy our as, podcast. As I'm yanking this sling pack <laughs> off of you. Love you, Dave. Oh, man. Friendship's, friendship's been great. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I know you meant this for me as a gift. <laughs> Oh my. Well, hey, our final segment in today's podcast is what we call Hook Set. Uh, This is where we set the proverbial hook and wrap up our podcast by sharing a quote that we'll uh, reflect on here for just a moment or two. Today's quote comes from Ted Leeson's fine book, The Habit of Rivers. Uh, He teaches English at Oregon State University, so that explains why he's so good with words. And here's a quote about the annual salmon run in the Pacific Northwest, but It could just as easily be applied to the spring rainbow run or the fall brown trout run in your part of the country. This is what he says. The salmon run is a movable feast, predictably annual, but with no better sense of timing than any other birth.
1: Oh, that is so great. (laughs) Yeah. Which means it's completely unpredictable. That's right. Yeah.
0: It's like, you know, baby's going to come. Okay. It's You know, there's a window that this baby's gonna come, but wow, could come two months early, could come, hopefully not two months late. No, (laughs) uh, there's there will be some other measures taken then, but, but anyway, you get the idea. Well, I think we think about this
1: when we head to the west, and now they shut down the season before they're actually spawning. Mm -hmm. But, like, for example, the Hebgen Lake Rainbows, they start moving up probably in Mm mid-September, up the Madison from Hebgen Lake. But it might be the first week of September. It might be the last week of September. Yeah. It's, I think, dependent on temps, right? Yeah. Water Mm -hmm. conditions. There's all these different factors. But he's so right. It's predictably annual, but with no better sense of timing Mm.
0: than any other birth. You have to realize, from year to year, conditions can change and... Uh, some of that has to do with insect hatches. Some of it has to do with weather. Um, yeah. There's so many factors. That's right. It's predictably annual, but uh, no better sense of timing than, than any other birth. So, anyway. Hope, that's a good one. That's right. Hope you can hit it at the right time. Well, that's all for today. Uh, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Matthewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River for the love of fly fishing.